I'm Carrie Lloyd, and you're listening to the Carry On Podcast. Come and stay a while amid the British charm that is called my brain. I'm a journalist and pastor in California, but don't hold that against me. I wasn't brainwashed. I chose to leave my atheism on my own accord, consequently after two sips of Kool-Aid. But that's for another time. These opinions are my own most of the time. The humour was learned of a book I found in a hedge, and the dreamer in me, well, she's here to stay. So you're very welcome. The beauty of creation is its diversity, obviously intended for it to be a symphony, not a solo. Every tree is different, every snowflake is different, even every person is different from every other person. The power of civilization to advance has been fueled by the ability of different people to learn how to work together. That's a quote by Rick Joyner that I often look back to when I'm dealing with diversity, when I'm dealing with difference in opinion, when I'm dealing with a body of different cultures that come together, especially under one roof. And I'm referring to my church, which houses hundreds of different cultures that somehow focus towards the same thing, which is obviously our intimacy and the presence of God. But I am getting more and more aware of the fact that even churches are dividing, and they have always been divided on some level. The whole point of the bride is to find unity. And so I'm getting very aware of the fact that we are in a generation now of opinions. It seems that uh, people have become famous for their opinion, and so therefore identity is based on what we believe and what we think. Now, obviously, that's a given, that's a standard. Nothing really has changed Um And and according to people falling out, people arguing over their difference of opinions, especially in this political climate, we're definitely in a season of running for justice, running for things that you solely base your core values on. But it does feel more than ever before that in order for us to feel loved, we have to agree with the other person. In the last two years alone, we've had the breakout of Trump and Clinton divides. We've had Brexit spark some rather fascinating debates. And Sarah Sanders got kicked out of a restaurant because the owners didn't agree with her opinion because she was a spokesperson for Trump. My environment is a church full of many different personalities and we have hundreds of different cultures with very different walks of life. Put that in a room together and you'll get a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of division and a lot of arguments That's if we are so keen on wanting to be understood. That's if our identity was based on our opinions. I know this isn't necessarily anything new, but I do feel like the tension is mounting. And we've been arguing our viewpoints for many years, but these days with Twitter and the digital aim, it seems as if the opinions have become far more personal, intrinsically filled with snide and callous remarks towards persons the person's identity. Whether I agree or disagree with Trump, I've had to remove myself from many forums down to its diabolical content. Um, It's become an adult's playground filled with bullying. And I never liked bullying when I was a kid, and I don't like it now. (laughs) And now there are certain influences that might cajole this type of debate, um, provoke this attack on some level, um, if anything, just to get a a rise out of people. But I am very aware that we are starting to isolate people with a different opinion to our own. I don't agree with homophobia. I don't agree with um, many of the topics that are coming onto conversations that are making people feel like they can't enter an establishment because they believe or feel they are a certain way. Sexual identity wasn't really 
anything to do with ourselves until the last 25 years, i.e. if you had homosexual tendencies towards someone before 25 years ago, you would have gay inklings towards someone, but it didn't mean that you labeled yourself as homosexual. These days we are labeling ourselves for what we believe in and who we stand for and fighting for our freedom. Now, in one essence, it's great that we are finding a voice, that freedom of speech has become stronger than ever before. And yet I would say we're in a, we're in a generation that actually doesn't allow you to have freedom of speech. If you do, you might be asked to leave a restaurant. If you do, you might go back to your homeland. And I noticed this myself about a year ago, after Trump had come in and been elected, um, I had found myself going into dinner parties, seeing friends that I just wanted to catch up with. I wanted to see how they were doing. I wanted to see their children. And before I knew it, Trump was always coming up onto a conversational piece. Trump was always almost the epitome of the storm. And I didn't understand why this was becoming such a fueled, almost toxic thing. It was as if we were all a bit bored and now we've got something to talk about. It's it's this sort of heightened sense of gossip um, for all of us to talk about and discuss. But one of the things that I was getting very saddened about was for those that might believe in Trump, they too were getting very attacked and be, um, what's the word, disassociated with, um, disrespected. And people were questioning their character because of what they believed in. One of the areas that I feel is very important that we need to navigate as we're moving forward is we should be able to start doing healthy conversations. And something's changed in the last few years where we're now looking to slay people. Now we're looking to just get the upper hand. I'll come into a party. I'll be known as being a pastor and the atheists are running after me, wanting to challenge me on my views, my beliefs, as if my choice in what I'm doing is actually saying that there's something that I'm not. It's a it's a disassociation that I never actually chose to be, but somehow, because we are so rooting for people to agree with us, so we have this camaraderie, so we have this sense of belonging, so our fear of man gets appeased somehow, we all have to agree with each other. Now, I'm in an environment where I may not agree with certain things, and equally, there might be certain people, certain theologies that people don't agree with towards me. But somehow there's still this lovely balance of still loving the person, even if we have a disagreement. Even if, I'm trying to think of an example now that I could help you out with, but let's just take it as something as basic as I choose not to have sex before I'm married. And I've mentioned this before. That wasn't always my life. I certainly had different theologies and different ideas about that before, probably about seven years ago. But one thing I would say is, I'm astounded to this day how many people want to argue me out of my opinion and how distant or disconnected they can become by the end of the conversation. And in my conversation, I always make sure that I'm smiling, that I'm giggling with them, that I'm even joking towards myself on their behalf. So they understand that I am not intimidated, nor do I feel the need to get defensive about my opinion. And you can feel very much in the air whether someone's just wanting to control and be antagonistic for the sake of an argument. I think there's some kind of adventure or drama in it that people just love. And I'm not a massive fan of drama, believe it or not, even though I have stories that might sound like that. But I really do care about gentleness and kindness, and I do really believe in the power of gentleness in this generation. There are certain people, Jordan B. Peterson, Ben Shapiro, that have become famous for their opinion. Um, and it's beautiful that they 
have still been able to find a voice for what they're wanting to fight and stand for. At the same time, you'll notice they never get personal towards one person. They never choose to disintegrate someone's persona or degrade anyone's life choices because it's different to their own. But they will stand on what they stand for and they will come out with very coherent arguments that will make people on the other side of the fence, whatever that will be, whether it's liberalism or um, or anti-abortion campaigns that are going on, you'll see very toxic fighting going on. Obviously, this, I'm not telling you anything new, but I don't see much fruit come from it and I don't see momentum happening from it. One of the things I really want to start seeing within this next generation is instead of talking about or using arguments based on our own experiences and our own feelings, of course, that's how most of our decisions are made, are a sort of collection, a cocktail of um, experiences that make us believe the things that we believe. But I have to say, when I see wisdom play out, when I see people and their life choices become very fruitful, whether it's healthy relationships, whether they're great leaders in their environment, whether they're brilliant employers. I care more about how they act in their life than I do about their opinion. I've had bosses before that gossip about other employees. That naturally will make me very untrusting towards anything confidential towards that person. I'm not going to be sharing things about my journey and my life if they're modeling something that makes me feel unsafe or it makes me feel they are disrespecting another person in the room. I've naturally distanced myself or detached myself, not based on a different opinion, but based on how they're treating each other. So I have atheist friends. I have people that are of a very different elk to me, but I love them and they're wonderful to be around and they're kind and they are good listeners And they're very respectful towards my decisions that I make. There are some, however, that if I make a decision about how I'm going to do my life, they might cajole or make the odd snide remark about why I'm making these choices. And it becomes a very unwelcoming environment. It becomes a very hostile environment for me to want to come over and have a cup of tea. Whereas there is a sweet tone in those that are generally interested in an opinion And those that actually seek connection before, outside of an agreement are the ones and the people that actually make things happen. My point is, if we choose to be okay with disagreeing with each other, when we're not trying to find an agreement from them, so therefore we feel loved, the stem of it is honestly fear of man still. Um, But no one would want to admit that because they've become very, very righteous in their own opinion. My heart is that we can actually find a place. I don't think the church or anyone outside of the church should be arguing political views if we can't find a way to actually have open discussions that actually involve a dinner party. I think we have to be very wary of what we're putting up on social media. I think we have to be very cautious of how we dialogue with people. If we are going to put things up on social media, we need to be ready to be approachable to have that conversation rather than be defensive. And I know my church included, um, that we're still working this out. We're still working out how to have these conversations. We're still wanting to make sure that we as Christians aren't being completely siphoned out of the system so we're not allowed to pray in public. We're not allowed to have an opinion other than something that opens up 
everyone to have whatever opinion they have. Well, that's fine, but we also need to be able to have a Christian opinion in these places too. And it seems to me that we are trying to wring out, draw out, take away anything that might represent a Republican point of view or anything. If, for example, if I lost my faith tomorrow, if I made a decision that I was going to be an atheist, I would still be pro-life. The reason is because I used to counsel girls that had made the decision to have abortions. I'd, I'd done post-abortion counselings for a lot of women, and I know the scars and effect that it has on women. Now, I'm not going into a pro-life argument. <clears throat> I'm really not. And I'm really not using this topic as something to start a debate with. I also don't wish to push my opinion onto other people. But I do think our opinion needs to be made on very good facts. I think our, I think sometimes our feelings get in the way of truth. And because we've got so riddled into this, well, if you don't agree with me, then I can't hear what you're about to say to me. Well, then we can't really have any room for discussion. One of the things I love about diversity, it keeps me challenged in what I believe. I recently had a conversation with someone in the LAPD who is challenging me an awful lot in what I believed about the Lord. But he and I came to an understanding, even if he completely disagreed with, with religion. Um, he also worked in anti-terrorism. So <clears throat> he certainly seen some of the worst cases of religion that you could possibly imagine. So I understood why he would come from that place. I understood why he was potentially finding a justice button being triggered all the time when I'm talking about God. Because he's been seeing people blown up. He's been seeing people uh, find ways to destroy the earth based on the name of God. Now, if I can't sit down and listen to his journey and listen to his story, if I don't give him room, then I don't learn anything myself. And I also don't know answers of my own accord to be able to bring back to the table. So I just listen. And you'll know when people actually want to be heard, that you'll know that when people want to have an opinion, that they just want to be listened to. And sometimes all we're looking for is compassion. Sometimes all we're looking for is not an opinion to slant or brainwash an opinion that we made of our own journey. I made the decision to come back to not having sex before marriage based on many, many different factors. This wasn't something that I was just convinced into in a day. This wasn't something I was brainwashed into because I was in the right community. This was a day-by-day decision-making, thinking-through process. And that will be the same for many of my friends that made a decision to become homosexual. Now, what hurts me is how they feel that the church don't love them because they don't necessarily agree that you were born with homosexuality. And of course, there are some churches that do believe that this is a scientific way of, uh, there are sciences proving that we were born with a particular gene that would make us have more inclinations towards people who um, are of the same sex. Again, I'm not going into the conversation of homosexuality. I don't wish to have that conversation in a ginormous public setting. But one of the things that saddens me is that my homosexual friends feel like the church's doors are closed to them. And that, for me, is not true. It's certainly not true in my own journey. My arms are very open to anyone, anyone, <laughs> that wants to come and have my hugs from them. And, and yet it doesn't mean that if I... I'm in a journey of my own choosing of purity and my own choosing of how we do life, how we, how we create fruits of the spirit or fruit of the spirit. That means I can be gentle, I can be loving, I can be kind, I can be um, owning my own self-control. 
We need to be able to have conversations that do sharpen our own eye. And even if it's not within the same body that we all come to in worshiping God, my point is, if we start to create these divisions, if we start chucking people out of restaurants because we don't agree with them, we actually lose out on very fascinating conversations that do inspire and solidify sometimes our opinion. We have to be so cautious that our own fear of man, our own desire to be affirmed by other people is not involved in those conversations. I think we need to always make sure that when we're giving a different opinion, we smile at the end or even hold out their hand when I'm having this conversation with people. There are times where even when I've been guiding students, I give them an opposing opinion. I give them a thought or I challenge them on some of their behavior And because they're so desiring me to agree with them, they think I don't love them. But actually, I love them. But part of my love is to be able to be challenging you. Part of my love is for me to be challenged by you. And my greatest fear in the journey of, of this world in 2018 is that we are becoming little segregated groups of opinions and that we won't cross over to the other side to go and have a conversation to reach out in compassion. One of the things that I love about Christ the most was how just diverse he was in the engagement with so many different groups of people, with so many different beliefs, very rooted in who he was, never ashamed to share what he believed in. But he often waited until he was asked questions. And when he was given an environment like a church setting, like an auditorium, like um, an... Uh, a place that would even just want to gather to listen to his thoughts, his life, his actions, his walk, was fruitful enough to inquisit and an intrigue. And so I think we need to be living lives that aren't filling up our Facebook stages with a bunch of opinions. I appreciate it's useful. I do actually think social media really should just be about what we're doing in a day, sharing our day with someone on the other side of the world that I don't get to see on the other side of the world very often. Um, I do think there are times where we can talk about something lovely and we can talk about a bad day. But if I'm starting to segregate, if I'm starting to put a bunch of opinions out there based on criticizing another group of people, we have a serious problem on our hands. I wait until I'm asked. I wait until I'm in an environment where essentially, especially in a sermon or a preaching setting, they've come into my house. They've come into my living room to listen to my opinion. And I'm very willing to make those opinions known. And so therefore, I'm not shying away from something. I'm not trying to be among the crowd. I'm not trying to belong to people that disagree with what I believe in. But I do choose to love them no matter what they believe in, because the beauty of God was that he gave us free will. And so I have to be very careful and we have to be very careful on how we talk about the world. We have to be very careful about how we are using our opinion to discuss another sector of people that are choosing life differently to us. I think one of the things that I love about being in a very diverse culture, even though we might get a lot of criticism to say that we're not, we always have a lot of people that are willing to listen to things that we are naive in. We're always willing to listen to um, crowds of people that want to ask questions and want to go into a discussion that 
is genuinely intrigued into the answers. And like I've said, you can actually feel this. I've felt it in parties where people just run up to me knowing that I'm a partner and they want to know my opinion about gay marriage. Normally, I, I try and judge the field as if they're generally interested because this is the first time I've ever met a pastor, perhaps. Or you can feel almost a sort of sense of pride in themselves because they want to beat you down. The reason why I say that is because that's who I used to be. I used to be the atheist that could argue any Christian under the table. I used to be the atheist that felt almost a sense of sheer winning victory because my opinion slayed someone the other side of the table. Or I got someone convinced. But it's very rare that you can convince someone in an argument. What I would say is that people transform and change towards different opinions based on their experiential nature and experiential nature of people, of other people, of other environments. A lot of people have become saved and decided to become a Christian because of their experience of kindness, of love, of compassion. They've all of a sudden been reminded of the kindness that kindness is actually a substance that rotates the earth. And if I can find that in someone, I'm going to know what makes them tick. I'm not going to want to know what makes someone tick if they're spending half an hour either butchering or slaying someone that I actually love in my environment that might even have a different opinion to me or has the same opinion to me, but has perhaps been a little bit more vocal about it. I think we have to be very careful about how we talk about people, whether they're in the living room or not. And I had got very, very tired of being English, living in America, going back over to England and hearing a thousand commentaries and a thousand um, thoughts of their hatred towards Trump. I don't necessarily feel they were ever productive conversations. They weren't, uh, there, there was nothing in these conversations that were making me say, what are you going to do about it? Just sit around the pub and talk about it. Just complain about these things. Are you actually doing anything to campaign for what you actually believe in? Are you actually going out there and not just writing on your Facebook page and not just putting something on Instagram, but you actually going out there and serving the people that you're passionate about? Are you actually doing things for refugees if that's what you feel you believe in? Are you actually counseling people who are going through abortion if you are pro-abortion? Are you counseling them the other side of it? Because that's where most of them are lost. And most of the women that I counseled through abortion wish they'd never done it in the first place. So my heart is, okay, so we need to start educating children, not to shock tactics and not using even any religious jargon that doesn't fall on anyone that doesn't believe in a kingdom. But I do care about government bodies and student education talking to students saying actually abortion isn't the last contraceptive alternative, which is what was happening in colleges that I was going into. And I actually sat down with them and I said, do you understand what is involved in an abortion? Do you understand the emotional, psychological process that you have to go through in order to experience the choice that you're about to make? Do you understand that even though you don't feel like your life is ready for it now, in 10 years time, this is still going to come up? And we've had phone calls from women 10 years later that wanted help, that wanted counseling, were suffering depression, migraines, and a huge amount of guilt and shame because they finally had their first child that they felt they could bring up and rear. So instead of me complaining about someone that fights for a different opinion, I'll go in and start actively doing things that I actually believe are helpful, productive, fruitful things that are actually useful. A protest is great 
but I care about the one-to-one. I care about people bringing food banks. I care about people actually going out there and doing things instead of complaining about the fires, actually going out and doing ash outs, actually going out to help people that have lost their homes, actually housing people in your spare room. I care about people that are actually putting love into action because love doesn't mean much when it's just words. It does mean something when there's action involved. And so what I care about is not placing everything out there with a thousand opinions, but no one's really doing very much. And what I'm, what I'm very caref- careful of in my own journey is if I see something beautiful, if I see something kind, if I see a lovely story, I'm going to share that because it might inspire, you might even feel something experientially towards that thing. But I'm also not going to do shock tactics. I'm not going to try and manipulate whoever's watching my journey. I'm choosing not to hurt anyone in the process. And so when we're all getting emotional, when we start having conversations with people that are living a different life, understand they've gone through that life differently to you. And I remember even, um, I remember a friend of mine, probably about, gosh, a long, long time ago, he'd gone through quite a life and quite a journey. And he was a, a man of Uh, wonderful talent, wonderful giftings, very, very funny. And he was one of my dearest friends at university. And uh, over a summer between the first year and second year, he called me up and he told me that he was gay. And I made some sort of joke because I thought he was joking. And I went, yeah, and I'm a lesbian and put the phone down. (laughs) Two weeks later, I came and I didn't think anything more of it. I just thought he was joking around with me because that's what we did. Two weeks later, someone came up to me and, and said, did you hear about so-and-so coming out? And I said, I thought that was a joke. And they said, no, he's actually going through a bit of a journey just for being honest about it. So I ran to his house in the pouring rain. I must have run about two miles. I literally left my drink in the bar, the, the university bar, and I legged it to his house and I was banging on the window going, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he was like, you were the first person after I told my grandma. (laughs) And I was literally crying my eyes out because I didn't give him space. I didn't give him room to just have that conversation. He forgave me because he knew that we'd had this constant joking around with each other about everything and nothing was ever serious. So of course, with this particular phone call, I didn't think he was being serious either. But after that, after that interaction, I did everything I could to make him realize that I cared for him, that I had compassion for him. And I asked a lot of questions. I asked a lot of questions of whether this was nurture or nature. I asked a lot of questions as to how much of his life contributed towards this experience and this choice. Um, he was the first person that helped me understand about homosexuality. But I also had to make sure that I didn't have opinions that would isolate or draw people away. And yet I also needed to know that I could have places to be able to disagree and that I could have places that, um, I think I think my point is, even when I was an atheist, no Christian trying to evangelize towards me actually helped. No Christian, now it doesn't mean to say that, it does, that evangelists don't do some great things, um, but I think when they're meeting people that want to be saved, they're already looking, they're already searching for answers. And as an atheist, I wasn't convinced into my belief back. As an atheist, I wasn't 
um, manipulated by a witty story that made me believe in Christ again. Some people might say, well, it's an encounter that you have. Yeah, that could be it. But actually, I was just really tired of a world that was really unkind. I was really tired of a world that didn't seek to have sacrifice over the self. I was really tired of a world that defied it because of opinion. And I came back to a place that I actually really looked and fought to find the people that represented kindness the best. And it was Jesus Christ. Just how he was, just how he engaged with everyone of any life choice. They were never isolated. They were always given room. And even if it was very uncomfortable for the likes of even Nicodemus that needed to, wanted to ask questions, but didn't feel that he could really visit him during the day due to the, div, the division, the segregation of society at that time, Jesus always made a space at night. And I think my point and my heart is that we make spaces for people at night, the ones that are nervous about having these conversations because of how other people might think. But all I need as a pastor in this generation, all I need people to understand is no matter what your choice is in life right now, I will never choose to throw you out of a restaurant because of your life choice. I will never choose as a woman to divide myself from you because you are a man and you remind me of a sector of people that once hurt me. I will never choose to disassociate myself with other people. But I will also hope and pray that the people that are of a different elk or of a different choice in their life, that they actually give me a voice too. And I did have one, um, one friend who was homosexual and he said, you know, we win every time. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I could publicly disagree with your belief in Christ in public and no one bats an eyelid. But if you disagree with me and my sexual choices, then you're considered a homophobe or you're considered as someone that is um, a hateful person. And I said, well, there are certainly, there is, there is certainly not a space yet available to have those conversations without someone getting very upset or wanting to, dis to disconnect themselves from me. And so hear me out. Some people are probably trying to gather whether I have an opinion on these whole subjects. I'm choosing actually not to have those um, online and I'm choosing not to have them in public. Not because I'm scared of my public opinion. I just don't trust, <laughs> if I'm honest, the generations and the way that we're dealing with things right now to be able to have those conversations. When I was asked one time in a party about how I felt about gay marriage, I said, you know, I actually care about whether homosexuals are leading a pure life. Because my heart is actually purity. My heart is that we're not getting our knees met through each other physically before we're actually willing to make a commitment towards each other, before we're actually willing to stay and battle things out and persevere with one person. That's what I care about. So I don't know if that answers anything for you. Um, I certainly have friends who are homosexual that haven't been able to get free of um, that sensation that they, they are homosexual and that was wired into them, but they've chosen to be celibate. They've chosen not to um, engage in, in a homosexual relationship um, because of their own faith and their beliefs. And I respect that, but there'll probably be people listening to this conversation thinking, well, that's ridiculous and that's stupid and you should just own who you are. You should own who you are. Yeah, own who you are. 
but let other people own themselves too. You know, let everyone be able to have a choice just as much as I want everyone to be able to have a choice, just as much as God wants you to still have a choice. And so I think we need to be very careful, church, if you're listening. I think we need to be very, very careful about how we talk towards each other, both of different divisions, different denominations. And those outside of the church, I'm asking you not to plage and paste all of us with the same label, because actually there are people out there that are choosing to want to have compassionate conversations that aren't charged by you must agree with my opinion, otherwise we'll never find unity. I disagree. Unity will only ever come between all race, all different cultures, all different mindsets, if we actually can love each other despite the choices and the disagreement. Now hear me out. There are obviously certain places, especially when we're dealing with um, growing people, when we're dealing with kingdom mindsets, when we're dealing with students that might come into the church and they want what we have, we'll go, okay, but that means that you're actually having to be accountable to us on some level. That means that actually, if you want some of this stuff that we're teaching, it means that you're actually going to have to have some self-control in certain areas of your life. It means actually we get to teach and speak into your life and challenge you if you're doing things that we think are sabotaging you. So this doesn't mean to say they're like, oh, do whatever you want, take a line of croke, whatever. Great, great, have some heroin, have some fun. That's not what I'm saying. I'm actually saying we need to be able to do disagreement well. We need to be able to have conversations where I'm asking a lot of questions. And equally, we get to have some boundaries if we are in disagreement. We get to choose um, certain people for jobs if they're carrying out certain lifestyles and certain life choices. And it's actually not it's detrimental for a whole body of people, for a whole workplace. And obviously we need boundaries to go, hey, we can't have you working here if you're going to be this way. Um, Not because of sexual identity or life choices, but actually we can't have you um, disturbing a body of people that are going after the same thing. And that actually involves a lot of life choices that create this lovely, it it just adds so much colour. It adds so much joy. And when you're actually in an environment, I know some people are probably finding it's really hard to believe, especially my English friends. <laughs> because, well, if you agree with that person, then you must be a terrible person. Not necessarily. I mean, just because I agree with someone doesn't mean that I agree with everything they do. But I, I can still choose to love them. I can still choose to honour. And we must honour everyone in all walks of life. In fact, it's people that honoured me. It's people that stayed with me. It's people that chose to love me in places where I was at my most confused, where I was at my most um, lost. Uh, They were the ones that I watched the closest. They were the ones that allowed me to make the choices that I was making. And they loved me regardless. They didn't challenge me too much. Sometimes they might. But their challenges were more in the way that they were with each other in their own relationships. Their challenges were more about how they modelled life And I got to see the fruit of their life very closely. It's one of the reasons why I came back to Christianity was that that kindness, that substance that I see of allowing people to have their journey and still love them in it. And this is the problem. If I love someone, it means that they think that it means that I agree with them. That doesn't mean I agree with you. (laughs) Just because I'm a friend with a guy doesn't mean that I want to marry him, you know? 
my heart for everyone is that we get to a place now in, if we're going to open up the can of worms in any particular topic, we need to be able to have these discussions kindly, with kindness. We need to have these discussions with, we might post something up and if we're getting questions, then we need to be okay with answering those questions without shutting them down or suffocating their opinion. Um, And I do think more than anything, I will care more about what you are and who you are and what your life speaks through your actions, through your day-to-day interactions with your relationships and your family. I would care about how you will handle stress. I would care about how you interact with someone that you disagree with. I would care about whether you talk about someone behind their back. I would care about if you gossip. I will care about all these facets. I mean, for me personally, if I was, if I was a Clinton supporter and I saw someone throw out someone from the Trump campaign, I'd be very disappointed in my own establishment because that's not kindness to me. That doesn't invoke an interesting conversation. Can you imagine, though, if Sarah Sanders had been allowed to stay in that restaurant and the owner of the restaurant actually sat down and go, I don't agree with what you believe in. I don't agree with you being the spokesperson to Trump. I don't agree with all these hideous things that are taking place. But can I have a conversation that asks more questions? And if you're willing to, I'd love to just pick your brains because I cannot understand it right now. That conversation could have been one of the most mind-blowing conversations that an entire restaurant could have had. But unfortunately, it was cut short because we were too uncomfortable with someone else believing in something else. I've had it myself where an entire class of people don't talk to me because they discovered that my parents were Christian. I'm serious as a heart attack. I've not been spoken to for a week at school because my parents, by association, I was related to Christianity and these kids didn't like it. Maybe because they saw something on the news and it was by some crazy Christian that wanted to shoot a bunch of people in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know. But that's not the kind of Jesus that I believe. (laughs) And it's also not the religious God that I do choose to follow. My heart is that we actually can be strong enough with a character that doesn't seek to have people agreeing with us. We just seek to honour each other. And if this world doesn't know how to honour with disagreement, if this world doesn't know how to love in disagreement, we will never be unified. We will never get things done. We will never see this world going into better forms and and better places if we don't allow the school to pray because it's respecting certain people's religious code systems then I fear we're about to miss on the very fabric that makes this world so colorful I fear that we're going to be into a space that makes us so cautious about having any opinion that we become robots and we're nothing but a bunch of Stepford wives basing our personalities on the Enneagram. (laughs) So my heart and my one message is this. If you go to a party tonight, if you meet someone in in the line to some random concert and you start having a conversation or you hear someone be degrading towards someone else that stands for something that you don't necessarily believe in, well, my heart would be ask some more questions before you make a judgment. 
because the one that makes the strongest judgment is the one that ends up looking the most naive and the most ignorant. And some people, bless you, for the people that have reached out saying, you're very wise. Well, I'm, so most of that is probably the Lord, to be honest with you. But in one thing I would say in my favour is that I ask more questions these days than I do make judgment calls. And when I'm sitting down in a living room with someone who's bashing the president of America because they don't agree with them, okay, that's fine. But my, my conversation is more interested. So what are you going to do about it? Rather than, it's, it's just, as a Brit, I go into a living room in England, I'm hearing these complaints about Trump as if I'm representing America all of a sudden, or I'm part of the Trump establishment. Well, I'm not. But regardless of who is going to go into presidency, I'm still choosing to honour, even if I were to disagree with some of these policies. I certainly asked an awful lot of questions. And I would say the media loves to rile on the opinions and this opinion generation. The media loves people to argue and fight. It's this drama, it's this excitement. It adds in the colour that we think that we want, but actually colour comes from diversity. Colour comes from being able to unite and to connect to people that actually are of a different opinion. And some of my most favourite debates are with people that have a completely different opinion. If you ever want to watch a fascinating debate, watch John Lennox and Richard Dawkins talk together. And Richard Dawkins gets very wound up in moments because John Lennox has got a very different opinion. And <laughs> um, John Lennox's identity is potentially based on the Lord, not Richard Daw Dawkins' approval. But there are times when Richard Dawkins gets really wound up because John Lennox is coming out with a very different opinion. And um, part of his hope was that John Lennox perhaps would change his mind. I've loved debates. I love the, the colour that these things bring. But I also, I want to call, curl away when I see people get venomous, when I feel bitterness start to enter my, my, the company in which I sit in. When I see people get venomous towards one person or one thing or isolate someone from a restaurant, that's when I'm like, something needs to be said. And there is no difference from the people that threw someone out of a restaurant. And it's happened not just, not just towards Sarah Sanders. I see it happen a few times in different places. I've seen someone with a speakerphone outside a restaurant when you know one of my bosses was sitting inside the restaurant and this person didn't agree with what one of my bosses had said well who am I going to listen more to the person that chose to disrupt the entire restaurant with a giant speakerphone or am I going to listen to the person that actually has been very kind to his family has led a very fruitful life and one by one person by person he chooses to be kind to be peaceful to be honoring towards each other doesn't necessarily mean that I have to agree with these people, but I will take more note. And all I care about is that companies, systems of education, um, any corporate body that are choosing to grow in creativity in newfound frontiers, make sure you have different people with different opinion on your team. Make sure that there are certain codes and core values that stick to the same as each other. But make sure that you also leave room for more conversations just in case you are far too right, far down the wrong path and you actually got a lot of it wrong. Because as the atheist happy to argue the person out of the table, it was down to those quiet moments watching other people 
act in kindness, act with a space of compassion, act with a heart to help and speak into someone's life with gold that actually changed my opinion completely. So if you're at limba, if you're in disconnection or disagreements, if you're, I mean, gosh, the, some of the stuff I've written about has been very controversial. And I'm really never going to listen very much to someone that might attack me. But I'm always very, less, I'm always very willing to listen to those that have a question or talk to those that have a question. Um, but I think it will be more than a comment on Instagram. It will take more than just a, a few interesting interactions on the internet or on Twitter. I think these things have to have more space, more respect. The opinions, if we're going to make opinions that founded, if we're going to make opinions that strong in how we flow with this current world, then let's have respect for the opinion and have more space for it. Let's respect the fact that this is full of, this place is full of diversity. And diversity gets gets us nowhere when it's full of hatred as well. Um, so if you are at loggerheads with someone today, I'm asking you to reach out. If there's someone that you felt almost a sense of pride because your opinion slayed the other person's opinion, reach out and apologize. If you're a columnist that has written some pretty hideous things about church leaders or people outside of the church, I'm begging you to just write an apology, even if you disagree with them. I'm asking you to reach out and connect. And there was once upon a time someone that wrote a pretty strong article about someone I knew. And I think part of it was riding on the coattails of some sort of pretty hardcore reactions to something that someone had said. And the one thing I said to him is, if it's okay with you, I'm actually not going to read the column and the article. But I do hope that whatever your opinion was, you chose kindness over being right. And we say it a lot in this environment, choose kindness over being right. But I think this is, this is a core value. This is something that has to have more fuel now because I'm seeing more and more people lose relationship, lose friendships, not talk to each other and not have a seat in a restaurant or a seat at the table because of an opinion. And that has to change because we'll never get anything done. We'll never be united. We'll never be able to smile at each other in the street. So if there is someone that you disagree with today, do me a favor and make sure you smile at them and tell them you love them. <laughs>